Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, Bonjour. In Spain, Hola. In Italy, Ciao. In Egypt, Athen Wasalan. In Ghana, Akwaba. In Nigeria, Peleo. In South Africa, Saobona. In Senegal, Nangadef. In Kenya, Jambo. In Israel, Shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, Assalamu Alaikum. Greetings, and may peace be upon you all. And rising, and thank you all for joining us on this Wednesday edition of the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif, and I'll be joined with our co-host, Kareem Hamid, and our American Muslim 360 family. And, of course, we want to hear from you, because today we want to assist in our growth when it comes to love relationships that We want to be permanent. We know that marriage is a serious step, and traditionally it has been a lifelong commitment. But with the divorce rate nearing 70% in some places, marriage is lasting. It isn't that the people aren't good people or not able to keep a commitment. The fact is, what are you committing to? The institution of marriage needs to be redefined to fit today so that we're clear what it is we're promising to do. 
So we're going to talk about that today because people still need to have families. Children still need to have stability. Parents still need to co-parent. We still need to have that cooperative relationship so that we can have a partner in life that helps us and supports us. But we need to better define what that looks like so that when we're choosing someone, we know what it is we're promising them so that we can actually fulfill the promise. So we're going to take a brief break and come right back with our co-host, Kareem Hamid, our American Muslim 360 family. And we want you to call in. You can call in and join us live on the on-air radio network. 727-731-5192, or you can reach us on Blog Talk at 515-605-9325. And just press 1 on Blog Talk when you're ready to speak, and we'll be right back. So we want you to stick and stay. Don't stray away. We want you to be a part of this discussion because together we're going to make things better. Together we're going to to reshape our families so that they can be permanent institutions and our children can have the stability that they deserve. We'll be right back, so stay with us. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, and if you're watching this, that means you're one of the 4.6 billion people from around the world who are using an electronic device to talk to people. In these times, People are using the Internet to talk to everybody, friends, neighbors, family members, on their cell phones and computers all day long. Now, if you're in business, that is great. That means you can sell your products and services all day long and never have to leave your home. All you need is a media connection, somebody to connect you to an audience. And that's why I'm talking to you today. We produce programs. And our audience members are people who shop. They buy clothes, food, duty supplies, cleaning supplies, home repair, transportation services, child care services, whatever you're selling, they need your media. Just follow this link. And tomorrow, you can sit back and relax at home while your business is making you money. Nice. CWSC.US or by phone at 910-317-0297. Together, we can remake the world. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum, Naima. Well, we are here. It's good to hear your voice this morning. Praise be to Allah. And we're so grateful to hear your voice as well because we've got a topic that we know people willing to listen to and contribute to. And, you know, this. <laughs> We've already got some folks saying hey, Grand Rising, great topic, can't wait to hear what the men have to say Well, here it is And we know that this is a uh, an issue When we talk about marriage And people 
are disappointed at what they get. They're disappointed because what they expected isn't what happened after the vows were were said. So we're going to talk about that today. This month we said we're going to focus on love and trying to correct those things that are at the foundation of our society. If we could just get it right, so the matter is, a marriage is a contract. It's a contract. It's an agreement between two people. And when you say vows during the marriage ceremony, you're pretty much stating the contract. Now, of course, if anybody who's in business knows, when you have a contract, you're agreeing to some things. And if the agreement isn't specific enough, then often the contract doesn't get fulfilled because you didn't specify. And I've had that situation. You know, I used to work with building contractors, and perhaps they were going to, say, do some roofing. And so they come back with a proposal that says fix roof. Well, okay, you know, you got a hole in it, you know, you got, you know, some leakage that came through the ceiling, you know, you've got some shingles that need to be replaced. But the contract didn't say that. So if the roofer came back and, you know, didn't fix the hole in the ceiling, didn't patch it up, uh, along with replacing the shingles, didn't repair all of the wood, then the, the homeowner's angry saying, well, look, you didn't fulfill the contract. Well, maybe what the roofer did is just maybe replace a few shingles, and that was what he decided. This is what, this is what I, I fixed the roof. That's what I said. So because he didn't specify what fixing the roof actually meant and both did not see in writing that they agreed what fixing the roof involved, then the homeowner is going to say, well, you didn't fulfill your contract, and the roofer is going to say, yes, I did. But the problem isn't there mutual intention, the problem is the contract was missing some key elements so that they could both agree on what it is that their stating needs to be done. Both parties need to see in writing what it is that is being promised in order for them to know if the contract has been fulfilled. So today we want to look at the traditional marriage vows. And how should they be reworded to fit today? How should it be spelled out rather than assume what each person is going to do? Because right now, everybody's feeling like there was a breach of contract, and that's why we've got a divorce rate of nearly 70% of all marriages end because both parties are angry. Well, if they had spelled out what they expected in the beginning, then the marriages probably could have worked, or at least it would have been discovered that they weren't expecting the same thing. So we're going to take a look at the traditional marriage vows and determine if they really say what it is that you're planning to do and what that really means to both parties and how we might actually reword these vows so that you say what it is you're you're promising to do, and it's understood what that means to the other party. And if what we have been saying in these vows too vague, then it's not going to work. So 
Now, we want you all to call in, you know, because we want we want to get suggestions, and uh, we invite you all to call in on the on air radio network seven two seven seven three one five one nine two, or you can call us on Blog Talk. 515-605-9891 for the American Muslim 360 channel or 515-605-9325 for the Female Solutions Blog Talk channel. And either way, we want to hear from you because we want to create. Then it's not going to work. And uh, now we've all heard them. I'm just going to read these through and I'm going to, of course, put them on the screen for people to see who are watching us on Facebook and YouTube channel. But we know that traditional marriage vows typically include and for the, the person, if, if you're doing the traditional, I guess maybe the ceremony might be different, but it, it kind of includes the same sort of thing as the Christian ceremony. It says uh, you promise to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, Richer for poor, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, to love and to cherish until death do us part. Now, some people say, well, my, that's clear. But, you know, that's like one of those promises that sounds like thick roof. Very vague. What it means to me might not be the same thing it means to you. So we want to go line by line and figure out how we can best clarify what it is that we're promising to do and talk about is this what both male and female, both husband and wife, believe that these words are going to mean and how may we best define what it is we're promising to do. Because we want the marriages in the future to work, and they can work when we're clear on our contract. So that's our and we're certainly looking forward to all of you joining this conversation. And we just need to take a one quick break, and we'll be right back. And when we come back, we certainly want to hear our callers and viewers to give their perspective on their traditional marriage vows and how should they be reworded to fit today. So we're going to be right back in just one minute. They can stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back. So stay. I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're three black moms. And in case you didn't notice the resemblance, we're also three sisters. We're going to be coming to you every week sharing our successes and our as we navigate our lives as moms, wives, sisters, daughters, and of course, black women in today's world. We'll talk about it on race, politics, religion, economics, culture, and we'll take a look at everything from whether or not to how do you teach your children about sex? Growing up, Charles. A personal story about our lives growing up in Maple Park on Chicago's South Side. I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're three black moms. Follow us on Facebook 
Solution Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif, along with our co-host, Serene Z, our American Muslim 360 family, and we want to hear from you as we talk about rewording the traditional marriage vows. How should they be unmuted? So, so Brother Kareem, we're back, and we want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> a lot of people might say, well, you know, uh, what what's wrong with what we've been saying? Well, it doesn't specify, and, you know, when you got a contract, we don't specify, you get problems. So what are your thoughts? Yes. Uh, humbly, love, all praises due to Almighty God. I'm grateful to have been present at a broadcast that was aired yesterday on America Muslim 360, uh, hosted by our beloved Manira Omar and Sister Bina Beya. And uh, the a title of that, um, that broadcast is, it's all about courtship and marriage. And I'm grateful that they, that, uh, uh, they dealt with what, what you are presenting, the contract. The contract, and uh, I, I learned a, a lot from them, and I'm grateful to have been present as they discussed this important, uh, important uh, application that we use for our community life. The, the operative word is a marriage contract. You know. Um, the vows, in some cases, in some areas, are very general. You know, they are just general. They are not detailed. They are, are not specific. So I, it, it's very important to fulfill all contracts that you enter into. And uh, so there is a marital contract that we are obligated to, uh, to put pen to a paper and to, uh, to author this contract. Uh, we, we, we don't swear by anything. You know, we don't swear. But we affirm, I affirm that everything in this contract is true. Affirmation means a positive. A positive. You're not gambling. You're not guessing that this is affirmed affirmation. So, but uh, so it is at that time that both parties uh, need to uh, truly word the contract in detail, specifics, specifics, because these are are matters that will be looked into if the marriage does not, if, if it's not successful, or even no, not only if it's not successful, during the marriage, during the marriage, uh, you are vowing that you will fulfill uh, your promise and what you agreed to in the contract. 
It is a legal document. I would suggest that when a marriage contact contract is written, that it be notarized. Notarized. Uh, that makes it a matter of public record. We don't secretly marry. We 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 uh, <laughs> we definitely publicize our marriage. But at, at the same time, the marital contract is very important. It needs to be specific, not ambiguous, not just just stuff that just said off of the top of our head. There needs to be thought uh, implemented for what will be placed in this contract. Um, Almighty God says to us in the Quran, fulfill, fulfill all agreements, fulfill all contracts that you enter into. Fulfill them. So it has to be specific, and it is a legal document. You know, uh, we get all up in our feelings and our heart and emotions and all the birds are chirping and all is well with the world. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? But this goes deeper than that because you are tying yourself to another human being, another human being another soul. So be very specific and serious about what you enter, what you uh, write in the contract. Also, there has to be witnesses present that witness the writing and the signing of the contract. They are to witness the vows and the signing of the contract. It must be be witnessed. And also I would suggest that the, the, the witnesses sign, uh, they place their name on the contract as witnesses to this transaction that's being Im- implemented. Uh, uh, this is, is, it's not a plaything. Uh, you know, Allah, I, I, I just read this morning in the Quran, Allah will not hold you accountable for frivolous vows. You know how we say something that's off the top of our head or something, something that's just, you know, we just say something. But this requires conscious, intelligent thought of what you are agreeing to. It's not just a frivolous vow. This is very serious. Uh, so um, uh, there's much thought need to be given to that and the uh, capability, the ability to fulfill, to fulfill the articles in the contract. And the contract is not just for males to to uh, say, I will do this, I will do that, I, no, 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 no. The onus is, seems like it's always placed on the male. No, this is a contract between two people, the female and the male. She, she uh, has her input as to what she intends, what she will carry out. In the life of this marriage and this contract, the male likewise 
uh, has to be very specific and that he will carry out what is agreed to in the marital contract. So um, uh, I think that, you know, because, and let me say this, people change. I'm not the same person I was when uh, I married Aisha some, you know, years ago. We evolve, we grow, we, we grow, situations change, circumstances change. So we have to be aware of that. That's how serious this contract is. We are evolving. This marriage, it, it is, how can I say, it is a live entity. It is alive. It, 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 it is morphing. It is going somewhere. So the contract is very important at the beginning of the marriage and also at the ending of a marriage. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have, have uh, given us requirements in the Surah Baqarah, the second chapter of the Quran, as to what is expected of both parties at the dissolution of marriage. Marriage is so important that it is deemed as half of the religion. Half of the religion. Those that take their religion for sport and play, they have a disease in their hearts. But those that take their religion seriously, seriously, Almighty God has a great reward and benefit for them. So I'm stressing the importance of the marriage contract. Uh, the vows that are usually said, uh, not, well, matter of fact, some people are, are actually writing their own vows, and uh, I find nothing wrong with that. But the traditional vow is not truly, those were not written for the joining of, mar- of male and female, of marriage. That, those vows were co-opted and placed in the marriage ceremony. The vows as read is a declaration, is a declaration of faith and your connection to your faith and to Almighty God, and to Almighty God. Uh, you know, uh, until death do us part, uh, uh, that's not, that's sometimes that's not possible, you know. Sometimes things change. People change. Circumstances change. Sometimes there are irreconcilable differences, and you agree to part in friendship that we've just reached an impasse, you know. Uh, So what one places in the contract, there isn't a standard uh, contract. It is based upon every individual. And what what and their expectations and their duties in fulfilling the marriage contract on separation we are to provide maintenance maintenance to our wives for a certain period of time so that she is not left destitute or hanging Allah prohibits that there is a period of time that the husband provides maintenance for 
uh, his ex-wife. Uh, so th- these are very, especially when there are children involved, th- this is very serious. The marital contract is very serious, and it, it requires uh, conscious, serious thought. Don't say that you are going to do a certain thing and you, you know that's not you. You know what I'm saying? You all up in the air, all up in your feelings, and the birds are chirping and all of that. Ah, I just love you, I love you. Settle down, you know, (laughs) and give this contract serious thought and fulfill, fulfill the articles in the contract. If circumstances change, contracts can be amended. Contracts can be amended, but the initial contract is very important. Do your utmost to fulfill the articles in the contract. Don't make promises that you know you can't keep. They should be reasonable. They should be within your capability to meet what you are vowing to do for your spouse, and for your children. Very important. I'll stop right there, my sister. Thank you, Naima. This is so important. We, we have to follow the guidance, the guidance. God says, in, inscribe a marital contract. And we should not neglect to do that. And we, we should strive hard to keep our plighted words our plighted word. Allah says the unbeliever is he or she who make promises and then break their promise. Don't hold to what they have affirmed. This is very serious. This is half of our life. Half of our life. Dean, dean, dean is a way of life. This is half of your life. Don't waste it. I'll start right there, my sister. Well, you've made some points that should be considered before a person marries. However, I'd like to ask how many how many of us, other than the ceremony and the you know, the the the, the ring and the party and afterwards, how many of us actually have a written contract on file with our spouses? that actually spells out these promises and expectations. How many actually wrote a contract? Even though we're advised to do this, uh, of course, in the, in, the, in the religion of Islam, you're supposed to have a marital contract. We tend to think that only super wealthy people need a prenuptial agreement to specify should this marriage end, this, this property belongs to you, that property belongs to me, so that there's no argument over assets. So those people will have it in writing. What is the expectation and what is the procedure for disillusion if the relationship ends? But everybody needs to have that. Everybody needs to have that same prenuptial agreement, which is the marriage contract. And when you don't have that, you know, once again, you've got uh, expectations and both parties having a different view of what that means. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to go, uh, we've got an article up on the 
um, up on the screen with the traditional marriage vows. And, you know, we're going to point out some of these things that might have been assumptions that didn't quite manifest because it didn't really spell out what that means in terms of a behavior. You know, again, you know, the analogy, if, if my roofer gives me a contract that says six roof, and I think it means, you know, go inside, you patch the ceiling where it's flooded and you replace the drywall and repaint it, and then you go and you replace the rotted wood and, and, and then you replace the shingles. If I'm believing that that's what it means, and he's believing it means just replace the huge shingles that were damaged, well, we don't agree on what six roof means. So we need to have some more words. So we're going to come right back after this brief break and about some words that that contact needs to say. And as you say, of course, it's not a, it's not a one-size-fits-all, but there are some specific that we might want to suggest to people that they have in that written document that they should have because there does need to be clearing you're going to do, what you have to do. So we'll be right back. Stay with Identify their uh, uh, the, their uh, number, if you would, please, because you can okay. see. It. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh huh. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam. Right, and we well, there's one more thing, and then we'll come on back so that we can, in fact, get your comments. We've got a caller here on the switchboard. We have an opportunity to transform the whole global society in the next 50 years. 50 years from now, the earth will be populated by a new generation of adults, many of whom are yet unborn. Our mission is to nurture them in childhood with love, guidance, and protection, and to raise them in healthy, happy families. If we impart values, 
of compassion, generosity, and respect for fellow human beings in the next generation of children, they will create a world where people can live together in peace. This is our goal. Be a part of the transformation. Get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. Go to www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Unmuted. Along with our co-host Kareem Hamid and our American Wilson 360 family, and we want to hear from you. We talk about rewording the marriage vows and perhaps making it a tradition that everyone follows to create a contract, which, in fact, spells out what you are. Now, for those who've taken vows to say, I take thee to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for future, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. Okay. You know, like you say, uh, Brother Kareem, you know, there's uh, everybody's all happy, birds chirping, everything, but what does that really mean? So now this, this breakdown of these vows is from an article on uh, Focus on the Family. Uh, it's actually from the Australian uh, chapter, and it says, Seven Traditional Marriage Vows, What They Mean and Why They're Still Important. Well, let's take a look at if what these vows say and what they mean, are they reflecting a culture that perhaps doesn't? So now this first one we're going to take a look at. I take thee to be my wedded wife that's, uh, or, or my wedded husband, uh, depending on uh, which male or female. But now it says this phrase is about free will. This is in the fourth marriage. Uh, you selected this person. This voluntary decision establishes personal responsibility for your choice. Uh, which means you made a decision that you will marry this person and it's not forced. You know, there, there are, there are you know, cultures around the world where marriages are not of one's free will. So perhaps it needs to spell out, you know, as you said, I affirm. I affirm that of my own free will I am choosing to be a marital partner to you, you know, blank, fill in the name. And this means, of course, that this was your choice, not a, not a, what they used to call, uh, what do you call it, a, a shotgun wedding. Uh, and we had those. You know, you get the woman pregnant, and and then the father holds a gun to your head and says, "You marry her or die." Well, you know, we don't have those anymore. Uh, however, 
there was a time when people did marry out of uh, duress because either there was fear of public embarrassment because someone got pregnant outside of marriage uh, or someone got married out of financial desperation and needing someone to take care of them. So I would say that as you said, that first sentence needs, in the contract and in the vows, needs to affirm that this is a choice that you've made of your own free will. Uh, because if it's not of your own free will, it's probably not going to last. And, and uh, like you said, you don't see so much shotgun weddings today because there's not so much uh, fear of public condemnation over an out-of-wedlock pregnancy, but there are still some marriages that take place, and it's not the free will of one of the parties involved. It may be out of fear of economic destitution or some other reason other than love and free will. So, so what are your thoughts about that? That, that first declaration that needs to specify, I'm doing this, I've chosen you of my own free will to be my spouse. Uh, that, is that is important to say that, that I'm a sound mind. I've given this a lot of thought, and I've came to a, a conclusion that I, I want to provide safety and security and maintenance for my prospective bride. I don't want anyone else. Well, you know, yeah, I want to be personally responsible for her well-being. That is, is a strong desire for me. I, I want to safeguard her, you know, uh, and that come in many, many, many forms and many facets. Uh, that, that's my, my personal that's my personal statement here, you know, when you take on a wife or a husband, that I want to be the one to provide the safety and security and the well-being of you, you know. Um, uh, that, that desire has to be there because that is one of our primary roles. Matter of fact, uh, we, when... We mentioned maintenance and taking care of. That is not just the uh, the male role. It's not. There is also the female role of maintenance, security, safety. Uh, uh, there is a a vow that she will guard. She will guard what what needs to be guarded in his absence, in his absence. Now, some of us, our minds go to xena or adultery or fornication or is, uh, sexual, uh, but it, 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 it goes far beyond that. I will make, I, I shall maintain our home in your absence. I shall maintain our children in your absence. 
I shall in in you know that those are are maintenance uh, procedures that the female wishes to fulfill. I want to bear your children. You know, I want to be the first, the 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 first teacher of our children. Trust me with that. Uh, so that the maintenance, security, and well-being is not just on the male. It is two parties agreeing for certain uh, requirements that they will attend to in this marriage. You know, uh, in his absence, she will she will maintain the family. She will maintain what they both have established. Uh, so that, that her role is it's very uh, serious, very important, very important. So we live a certain way. I am a Muslim. I, I want to live my life as a Muslim. I want my home to reflect our values, our values as Muslims. We agree to that. I, and this is no knock on anyone else's faith. But, you know, if I was on a, a, a trip abroad or wherever, and I come home, and my wife got uh, voodoo dolls around the house. Or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> voodoo dolls around the house. She's burning all kind of sage and incense and all of that. We don't believe in, in superstition. We do not believe in superstition. So that she will maintain the environment that we both are, both. Uh, agree to live by and raise our children by and form our lives by, even if I'm not present. So these are very important, uh, important statements that I'm I'm making right now. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having a contract. Some people think, oh, that's so cold, that's so cold a contract. That's no. Oh no, that 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 is a, that is warm. We are warm-blooded blooded creatures. That's not cold-blooded. That is warm blood. I am I am affirming my obligation to you out of my concern, and I love you. So so I I'm so I must be very sober. Praise me to allow very sober. When I write and agree to these terms, is is that within my capability to do? You know, I I don't earn six figures. I don't. So why make promises that you know you can't keep? If situations change, alhamdulillah. But as we stand here right now, these are the things that I agree to provide for you. And to live by It's not cold it, it, Matter of fact It's warm It's out of a concern for your mate You don't want to Put your name On what you promised him On what you promised her 
You don't want that to be a public record? You don't want to be held accountable? Then I think we need to have a second look at you. See? This is very this is how you build community life. That, that this is the first beginning of establishing the society in which we live. It's a very serious matter. I'll stop right there, my sister. So both parties have to agree to the contact, to the content, pardon me, of the marital contract it's, uh, and hold yourself accountable. Assalamualaikum. So I believe we've got a caller. Uh, I know we've got a caller on our line, and I, I believe we've got a caller. And uh, then, of course, uh, yeah, we have two callers here. Okay. Well, let's hear your thoughts. Okay, first we go to 706-627, followed by 718-749. 706-627, Female Solutions. Your mic is open. Yeah, it's Brother Muhammad from the Ummah, Prophet Muhammad, by the way of Columbus, Georgia. Uh, as always, in uh, a lot this 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 marriage uh, mercy that Allah has given all human beings, he is so sacred that Allah has laid out how it is to develop ever since Adam and Eve, and we with with the test of that Shaitan is going to try to keep you divided, especially man and woman, because that uh, creates a non-productive procreation-type life or a lot of trouble if it's done in a fornicated, adulterated way between other men and other women of that community life that is developing. So the first agreement that our responsibility is to have counsel, to have, have a comfortable situation with someone who is responsible for that or the parties involved belief in whatever they might believe in. Because as we know, we are allowed to marry people of the book, and that could mean a whole lot of things on a whole lot of levels. But the thing is to come to and put it on paper, the agreement that you're going to have with your belief, that you will stay within those boundaries to make the individual, be it a husband or wife, know that they, like the uh, brother man was saying, they're safe, they're comfortable, there's going to be progress, and there's going to always be peace between the two because yeah. you have it written that you are going into a contrast or a straight or a diverse relationship, but a lot of us know why we are going to do this, but we're going to do it. But if we maintain <laughs> these moral values, these other values, as we develop, into the oneness that it seems that nature, the creator of nature, has showed us that we should have between each other in order to continue to develop ourselves, our loved ones, our environment, et cetera, such and such. So it is very okay. important that we be mindful that the first contract is between a law or, that, or the person's uh, belief system that they have and they make sure that in those belief systems 
there might be some compatibility enough to make them, uh, with their own free will, make that final choice. And then we will kind of encourage them to be true to their creator or to what they believe okay. in first. We're going to have to stop it right there, brother, uh, because yeah. we have another caller, and we will yeah. co-partner with another. Yeah, I did have a brief another question. Presentation. Uh, so brother, thank you. Uh, I did yes, have ma'am. a brief question. I said, I'm uh, I did have a brief okay, question. Okay, no, she has a brief question oh. for you. Uh, Brother Muhammad, are you currently married? For, 40, for, for 44 years. Did you all have a written uh, agreement prior to your marriage? Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, because at that time, our community, whoever married you, whatever imam married you, he had a responsibility. I was married by Imam W. Muhammad's cousin, Wally Muhammad. He was my imam who married me and my wife. And also a, a, a well-scholarly like brother you know, in Columbus, Ohio, who's the imam in Springfield, Ohio, who's still the imam there. And they, we was counseled on all the responsibilities. And back then, you know, I think Muhammad Ali used to have a version, and there was a couple other natural versions that different communities developed their own selves. You know, for the state, because at that time we uh, weren't in accord with as much as we should have been now with the state authority over it because Allah said the most important thing here is that do not do anything that will conflict with not only what he says but any other thing against you living your life. Don't have that, have that authority, but we, we, we don't do that as much as we should do now. We don't we don't follow right. to make sure that those who get married in the mass year go downtown in whatever state they in and make sure they register married because that state, that country, that other uh environment of faith don't want you gonna be no problem to them. So when the man who is the protector and the maintainer of those vows at that time let's be known that my way of life and my treating of this woman will not be a burden to the society. She will and he and she said in the same thing, and I will will make sure that our relationship, our reunion, will not be a burden on your Christian society or your Hindu society. We will take care of ourselves accordingly, and then that uh, state, if it's a different state or country, will acknowledge that they are they are safe from your marriage. Your marriage okay. is not going to be a burden to them, etc. Well, we appreciate your... And those uh, things that we need to get back and, and, and revise, and again, like we were talking about, to be put back on paper and have available in every mass year in our I community. Mean, uh, well, well, thank you, brother. Okay. We appreciate you spelling that out. Yeah. Uh, before we take the next caller, there's a thought I want to throw out there. Because sometimes okay. people do say, you know, wh- okay. why do we need to have a marriage that is verified by the state, why can't we just agree to be wedded? And one of the things that agreement with the state is, it's basically designating who's going to be responsible for your remains once you depart. And there are specifics about a spouse that are not made clear if there is no document with the state. So now the question that I have, and maybe the next caller can answer this, uh, and and this we have up on screen, it says about uh, is 
this a contract with You're the state, or is it a contract with the creator, or is it both? Uh, is it either or or both? And one of the things it says in this article, if you deeply believe that your marriage is a match made in heaven, it creates unrealistic expectations uh, as if God preordained that this is the one you should marry. And then, of course, there are, are, are uh, there's, and, 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 and the Christian Bible is, uh, in, in Mark 10, 9, it says, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate, which that line in itself has made people believe that if they got they would be cursed or whatever the case may be. And so they would stay in a bad marriage forever, believing that it was violating an agreement with God if they would leave. And that made a big mess of a lot of our families. So I'd like our callers to address, is this a contract with the state? Is it a contract with God? Is it something that you should have wording in your contract and there's always a clause to disillusion, you know, a disillusion clause in a marriage. Should there be a clause that says if we come to a point of non-reconciliation, we agree to part amicably? Uh, let's hear the next callers and hear what they have to say. We've also got a few callers on our line. So go right go right ahead. Uh, okay. I'll take the next call. All right. The next call is 718. 749. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Female Solutions. William, uh, William Kareem calling from New York City. Good to be with you all. Interesting topic. Walaikum Assalam, Brother Kareem. The last question that the sister asked, um, and I'll I give you an example from my own life. When I got married to my wife, um, we got married as Muslims, and there was a contract that we we drew up um but the circumstances situation came that um because my wife was sickly uh and her mother was very much involved in her life uh it, it was always a possibility that she might pass now my wife became a muslim you know and i kept telling my wife i said look if we don't get married by the state you know your mother's going to you know you know have to re- it, it's going they, they're going to give the responsibility to your mother and I had seen in her family, we had seen in her family, Muslims that were in our family that got buried as Christians. Um, so eventually what we did is we got married by the state. And when she passed, uh, we were able to bury her as a Muslim. Um, so the contract was important. Um, to set, There was a contract with the creator um, that we got married as Muslims, but then there was the contract with the state so that the state would be satisfied as to the legal uh, uh, to the legal applications that they had applied as far as their laws. The second example that I want to give also comes from my life. I've been a very fortunate father, <clears throat> and a fortunate father to the point where my children, if they have problems, they'll come to me. Well, one day I had a problem. With, my son had a problem. He was in college, and, um, you know, he came to me, and he said, you know, Dad, I got a problem. I said, what is that? He said, man, I, I got this girl pregnant. He said, and, you know, like she can't tell her, you know, she told her mother, but she can't tell her father. And so he he said, you know, know, what should I do? I said, well, man, you know, you need to go and tell the father. You need to go and step up and tell the father that, you know, you are the one that made his daughter pregnant. 
And he says, do you want to marry him? Yeah, yeah, I'll marry him. I said, okay. So he did that. He stood up. He went to his father and he said, you know, like, yo, I, I got your daughter pregnant, you know, but, you know, like, I'm willing to marry her. And they were very satisfied with it. They were satisfied to the point where they spent $25,000 on the wedding oh. ceremony. So they, so now this is a, 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 a woman who's a Christian. And I was the Muslim. So I represented the Muslim part in the ceremony. And, you know, and, and being married, you have to ask three times, are you sure you want to get married? So I asked, you know, the first time I said, yeah, you know, like, looks looks like, you know, this is going to be a, are you sure you want to get married? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of them said, yeah, 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 we sure. He said, look, the second was, look, you know, like, um, this is going to be a long journey. you got a, you know, a child that's entering into this here. They want to see you all together. You know, you took the vows for Richard Porter's sick now. house. Are you sure you want to get married? Yeah, 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 yeah. We want to get married. He said, now, now, listen, this is number three. I said, these people have spent $25,000 on you. Don't come back, you know, later talking about you want a divorce. And sure enough, that's what happened. One year later, they wanted to get divorced. And the, 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 I think the, the point that I'm trying to make is the, the, the contract and the vows that are in the contract when they were first created, you know, were sacred and they were sincere. But it takes people to take it for what it's worth. I mean, it, it just becomes words. So I don't know whether, you know, my, my son did it now. You know, just because, well, you know, he felt pressured and, you know, like he had got the girl pregnant and he just wanted to go get married. Of course, a year later, he said, you know, he wanted a divorce. So there, was a, uh, there wasn't a seriousness as far as the vows were concerned. They were serious. They're serious vows. But you have to take them. You have to take them not with your head, but you have to take them with your heart. Thank you. <laughs> so, thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I have a question. Uh, oh, you have a question? Before we take a break. Uh, i just like to know. Okay. Do you know, uh, Brother William, do you know what the issues were that led to the divorce? Did they did they share any conflicts that they had within that year with anybody in the family so that people could have counseled them? Or by the time you find out the marriage was over, it was too late to help. I mean, what what happened in that circumstance? Do you, do you have any clue as to yeah. why it was? It, it, it was um, too late to help. He didn't seek, uh, although he he sought um, my advice um, for what to do in that problem. You know, he didn't seek advice or anything. He just cut it off just like yo I mean, and as a matter of fact and it was really disheartening because he, he, he said, you know, um I think I asked him, he said, Yo, I I, I didn't really love her. Mm. That's what he said. You know, I didn't really love her. And and it was hurtful. It was really hurtful. I mean they they're they're good now. I mean, you know, they're they're um you know, they they have a couple of kids and, you know, they 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 you know they they're good as far as your parenting was concerned, but he 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 you know he didn't seek counseling. He made the decision and he went with it. So that's another thing, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a break and come back and talk about that. And we've got three calls on this uh, on the female solution line, and 
We're going to take your calls, and of course, let us know we've got other calls on the AM360 line. But we're going to go to 314 677, hold on, 773 483, hold on, you're next, and then 312 632, you're after that. Uh, we want to get your thoughts because you have brought up a, a, a very key point to get married because someone gets pregnant, but it doesn't last because the the commitment perhaps was not there in terms of real love. There was attraction, but there was not the development of a foundation before the pregnancy. And so just getting married didn't make that happen. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Should people get married because someone's pregnant? Or should they not? And simply agree to co-parent. And what are the ramifications if you're not raising your child in the same household, create more of a burden for people. So we'll talk about that when we come back. And should something like that be addressed in the marital contract? So we'll be right back after this brief break, and we want you all to stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in a moment, so stay I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're three black moms. And in case you didn't notice the resemblance, we're also three sisters. We're going to be coming to you every week, sharing our successes and our mistakes as we navigate our lives as moms, wives, sisters, daughters, and of course, black women in today's world. We'll talk about it all. Race, politics, religion, economics, culture, and we'll take a look at everything from whether or not your children about sex. Look for our upcoming book, Growing Up Charles. It's a personal story about our lives growing up in Maple Park on Chicago's South Side. I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're Three Black Moms. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Three Black Moms. Unmuted. All day long. Now, if you're in business, that means you can sell your product all day long and never have to leave your home. All you need is a meeting. Somebody to connect you to an audience. And that's what I'm talking to you today. We produce programs. And our audience are people shop. They buy clothes, food, beauty supplies. Cleaning supplies, home repair, transportation services, travel care services, if you're selling, here your music. Just follow this link, and tomorrow you can sit back and relax at home while your business is making you money. 
and take one more break, and we will be driving. Maima. Hi, I'm Naima Latif. Join me and my co-host, Kareem Hamid, every Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the Female Solution Radio Show. As we explore that relationship that is the foundation for our society, the relationship between men and women, husbands and wives. Join our discussion as we seek to repair broken family ties and rebuild our community. Listen online at www.blogtalkradio.com slash the-female-solution. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to our host. Or you can join us live on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash the-female-solution. are back. You're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. I'm Naeem Latif, and uh, are you hearing me okay? Yep, you sound very clear. <laughs> All righty, yes. So uh, our last caller brought up an issue which is very common and has been uh, the cause perhaps for a lot of divorces. The fact that got married because there was a pregnancy, and the belief is, well, the honorable thing to do is to marry the person that you got pregnant, you know, and as they say, you, you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't undo the situation. If the baby is here, it's here, so what do you do after that? Even the whole abortion issue, a lot of that came about because people figuring out what to do because there was a pregnancy. And perhaps a marriage was not going to happen, and so the thought was, well, you shouldn't be having a child if you don't have a husband. So this whole, you know, sex thing, it's it's a big thing because more than one life. But the question is, should you marry because someone is pregnant? And if that is the case, should there be some specifics in the marriage vows that says, I am agreeing to be your spouse so that we can co-parent our child and we agree to stay together until this child has reached the age of, you know, whatever you think is, is an age till the age of 18 or whatever. Are we going to make this commitment to raise the child together in the same household? And this is the contract uh, until this child has reached the age of maturity, 18. Are we going to put that in the contract? Should we try to do that? Or is 18 years too long to commit to somebody that you may not love but you had desires for and had a sexual union and a pregnancy came about? And so you want to, at least for the sake of the child, get married. Is 18 years too long? five years, uh, 12 years, you know, what's, what's an amount of time to agree to be someone's spouse because there's a pregnancy? What are your thoughts on that? So uh, I'll, I'll open the mic and, and get 314677 and introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience. Give us your thoughts about marriage spouse. 
Well, I've been hearing the demand from the male on the female. Well, where is the demands from the female on the male? I'd like to hear what the females have to say. Another point. Marriage is, is, is a contract that's recognized by the state that you're in. Right. It has nothing to do with your family, traditions, and so forth. It's, you made a contract, state of Missouri, and if some problems arise, this where it's going to be addressed. As far as the pregnancy is concerned, whatever happened to no sex until marriage? Whatever happened to you doing background checks on either families, especially the male, to see who in the heck your daughter is marrying to? Because many times often she come back home dragging kids in trash bags full of clothes. We see that quite often. Well, you marry my daughter, you sign a prenup. You ain't going to come here all ragged and tired, and all of a sudden you... A month later, you decide to marry, you want to walk off with money. No, that don't work that way. And whatever happened with the father telling the male that you do, don't do nothing to my daughter, you don't want me doing to you. Invite him over to the house, have three chairs, a chair for you, the father, and a drink, a chair for the young man and a drink, and a chair for old 12-gauge sitting over there on the other side of the room. And that's a good meeting. And another point, lastly, this is a Christian traditional country. So when people come in with other ideas or come up with other ideas, you're a very astute minority. I remember the Hebrew Israelites in St. Louis had two and three wives and so forth. Now you can't find any of them. I mean, that's just the way it is. So those questions, I don't hear the females posing questions out there for the behavior of the male. I see it the other way around. And also the last questions I put out there, no sex until marriage. Let me hear you say comment on that, Naima. Well, I thank you so much, Tianti, for your comments uh, because they need to be examined and addressed. One of the uh, one of the motivations for me writing the book, The Female Solution, was to help women understand their responsibilities as females and as the carriers of the next generation, how the decisions that they make are literally affecting the world. And uh, I'll hold it up in a moment. But, you know, on the cover of the book is a pregnant woman and in her stomach is a fetus that looks like the world. So that decision of who you are sexually intimate with, it shapes the future. But if a woman is not understanding that on the deepest spiritual level, then she's going to make choices based on emotion or a, a need for love and affirmation of her desirability or just hormones that, you know, your body says it's time for you to reproduce. 
and then there's social pressure and all of these things. So my desire was to help women understand that above and beyond, you know, society shaming you if you get pregnant or the poverty and all of that, is to realize that you hold life in your hands. You hold a future in your hands. This act is shaping the reality that we live in, your decision. And then I gave examples of how females of every other species are very careful on how they make that decision. They're very methodical, it, it, and, and it's very critical to select the right male. It's not a haphazard thing because your children that you're bearing are going to experience the consequences of your choices as a female. So that was that was the motivation behind the book itself, which now evolves into this show. But we look at all of our cultures over the over time, everything has been about how do we control who the woman has sex with. And some cultures have become very repressive and trying to keep women from even interacting in society because the fear is She's going to have sex with somebody, and and like and like you said, you know, end up bringing a bunch of children and, and garbage bags full of clothes back home because the person that she was sexually involved with was not fit to be a husband, and she didn't know because she didn't have any guidelines. So this is a major issue. Human beings haven't figured out how to, and in, in Western culture, they haven't figured out how to raise male and female children with an understanding that they, in making this choice, are creating either a a harmonious community or a dysfunctional community. And the drive is very strong, and that's a good thing. But it needs to be directed in a way that's healthy, the way it is in every other species on the planet. And that's what we have to learn. And and our religions don't make that possible because frightening people with hell and damnation, it's not working anymore. So we need to come up with something else, something practical, so that it's clear. What are we agreeing to do and why are we agreeing to do it? And you can't have a culture in which the men are taught get as much sex as you can, as often as you can, and rewarding them for that, and then at the same time telling females you need to be a virgin until you're married. That's not working because as soon as the pill came, that went out the window. So there has to be a different understanding. And it's not just about contraception. There has to be an understanding uh, of responsibility for your life and the lives that come through you. And how do we teach that? How do we teach it better than we've taught? And you know, we definitely welcome women to respond to to that. To shaming women for getting pregnant, that's not that's not helping either. You know, that that's what led to the abortion. Okay, I'm going to be publicly shamed because I'm pregnant. So now, if I kill the child, then I kill the evidence. Uh, That's not the that's not the best solution either. No. So we need to come up with something else. Wait, well, you know, here's the thing too, Naima. If that daughter was in college, then here come this knucklehead and got her pregnant. 
Now, what does that do to her career? And then the marriage only lasts a short time. See, we don't put those things in the proper suspected. But when he was dating, he should have been background checked to see what the family is like. Because much of the time, you can look at the the adults in the family, and that gives you a close blueprint of what that young man is going to end up being. Maybe not all the time, but it can give you a clear idea of what you're going to be dealing with. He's messed her life up. I hardly ever see a woman, female, jump on a man and be humping her. It's usually the other way around. And I've heard women, young girls, say that. But anyway. It takes, I tell you, women are very, very aggressive now, more than a lot of you all realize. A lot lot more aggressive than they used to be. But one last thing. Say that again, Naima. Please say that. Women are very aggressive much more than they used to be and they will they will capture the man and this is not a blame thing it's the realization that both parties are driven and it's a natural drive but if you've got a society that sells every single product using sexual stimulation every single thing on the television constantly keeping you in a state of arousal so that you will buy products and then why are we still circumcising our, our sons? There's a reason that covering is there. It's to protect them from arousal until it's time. Why are we engaging in a tradition? We don't even remember why it's there. And some people say, what's well, in the Bible. Why are you doing something that is exposing a man to the, the most sensitive parts of his body for constant arousal that he's not able to manage when he's pre-pubescent and not emotionally mature, why are we still doing that tradition? Are we not questioning things that we're doing that don't make any sense? So let's look at all the things and that we you, do and are they where we want to go? Well, you know, when you, when you take that in consideration, <laughs> then you answer your you answer the question on the other end about the achievement that you expect out of a young person before they get themselves caught up in that. It's carrying the educational career as far as they can because once you start taking on these responsibilities and these liabilities, everything began to stop. I usually don't like to talk about my siblings, but my last sibling went abroad to look for a girlfriend because he had been warned about the very thing that you just got through mentioning that goes on here in the United States, especially in a particular ethnic group setting. You're absolutely right. It's a lot of dysfunction. So if you got a child that you raise up in a, a functional environment, you do not expose them or let them get carried off by that other side because it has repercussions that you really don't want to have to deal with. Thank you very much. Yep. We thank you so much for your contribution to this conversation. And I'm going to open another mic. And another thing to consider, because of these things that happen, we have an epidemic of single-parent, female-headed households where there is no man to do these things, not background checks or sit there with a shotgun or whatever, that's not existing. So you have women who raised in homes where they have an extreme need for male love and attention because it's not there because their fathers are gone because of decisions made by the two people involved. And so now women are vulnerable to making bad choices that end up with a pregnancy and a male 
father who is not emotionally equipped to be a husband, nor has a desire to marry her because the relationship was not developed into what could have been a lifelong union or even a few years union. That's what happened. So Eric code seven seven three four eight three introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience and give us your thoughts. Should should people still marry because of pregnancy or if there's a pregnancy, should they just have a contractual agreement to co parent and just be satisfied with that? What are your thoughts? Seven seven three four eight three. Unmute yourself. Okay, I just unmuted. This is a Koofy. Uh, hello. Yes, um, first thing I was going to say: um, the fetus is the uh, shape of an ear. Your ear is the same shape of a, of a fetus. My ears. It's just y'all can do a little research on that. Um, secondly. Even my daughter, I said, um, I was talking to my daughter. She was like 15. I said, your mother didn't do anything for me. She goes, Dad, stop. She gave you me and my brother. What you want? What you talking about? Okay? So there's nothing bad about having a child. That's the first law of of humanity is to procreate. That's probably the best thing for that that woman to do, to have a child. Now, we need to teach our children the birds and the bees, and maybe they should have used protection. Maybe he didn't. Maybe that 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 son in college didn't get information from his father to say, "Hey, if you do lay down with a woman, don't you know these these are the do's and don'ts." But at the end of the day, if pregnancy does come, because if you lay down with a woman ten times, <clears throat> how many times you gonna get pregnant, right? Uh, having a child. It's the most, it's the number one law. That's the only reason why you are actually here on this planet. And society wants to, wants to uh, 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 create other narratives like you did a bad thing so you can abort it. All over the Internet right now, you go to the Internet today, you see all these youth right now just talking about relationships, and I keep them intact. All of my page, I say, y'all stop all this. Okay, your ancestors didn't have this problem. Why y'all got these problems with men and all that? You got somebody behind pulling. We got a wizard out here keeping this commotion going. I, and I know who they are. I know exactly who they are. I know their names. And I know I know what they're doing, keeping this vision going. And they know I know, so they don't bother me. But I have a lot of youth on my page, and I tell them when you when you get into a relationship. You know, make it a spiritual relationship. Don't put nobody else's business in. Get some counseling if you need, you know. But at the end of the day, that's not a bad thing if you don't end up getting married, you have a child, you didn't commit a sin, you're not wrong with God, it just did not work out. But you need to think about that child and make sure that child has two parents in that situation. And that... That's where the issue is, and that's why I really had to really work with my daughter because her mother told her a trick question. You're old enough now. You're 18 years old to decide whether or not you want your your daddy in your life or not. And I laughed. I said, is that what your mother told you? I said, girl, it's a trick question. 
I said, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a granddaddy. My plan. And she laughed. I said, I'm here I'm here forever for you. Don't ever try to get somebody to take you out. I said, How many of your friends got fathers? You got a whole bunch of friends. You do hair. You got 20, 30 friends. How many of them, how many of them got fathers? He said, none of them, Daddy. It's okay. So I, I, I focus on me yes. instead, of focus on, instead of focus on society. I focus on, on me instead of society. Now, I can give an opinion, which I just did. hope that helps. But there's nothing wrong when a woman or, or, or a man have a baby. That's a blessing from the creator. Do not come against that, because if you do, you actually you you actually could be in the sin talking against the first law of nature. That's the that's a blessing to have a child, and I'll stop right there. Thank you so much, brother Koopy. We appreciate that point of view. We're going to take our last break, but I think he made a point that we have to uh, examine. Number one, the trend today is fatherless homes for many of our community, you know, and, and we talk about this in the book, The Female Solution, what what happened, the reason why we ended up with all these fatherless homes. We had we had a succession of wars, killing off the men, uh, and the social development that happened afterwards leads us to this point, whether it's the welfare system, the wars, whatever, it, we've come down to now families like Bianchi was talking about, the dysfunction, where there is not the co-parenting structure so that a man can learn his responsibilities and a woman can learn her responsibilities. The structure isn't there. So people don't learn how to cohabitate. They don't learn how to operate. They don't learn how to negotiate. They don't learn how to befriend each other. They didn't see it in their home. So this is why we introduced the concept of the female solution, which is to address the absence of males and females co-parenting, building the structure of family so that we learn how to be a family. We'll talk about that when we come back. And 312-632 will take your call. And if you have any other calls on the the AM 360 line will certainly hear from you. And uh, we've heard from a lot today. So let's talk about it. So we'll be right back after these brief messages. And we want you all to stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be right back. So stay with Have you ever dreamed of going to exotic places, meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel? Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach or sit in a quiet park and enjoy the sunset or sunrise? Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325, 
and press 1 to speak. struggle to get out of bed into the swing of things well don't worry you are not alone join us for thought-provoking stimulating and mindful conversations on higher learning with Zelda Speaks for your Monday morning mindfulness sessions on blog talk radio the female solution Mondays 7.30 until 9 a.m. be sure and send your ideas thoughts comments and suggestions also if you'd like to be a guest on the show visit Zelda Speaks And send us your info. We'd love to have you. Experience mindfulness moments with the mindfulness slash stress relief coach, Zelda Speaks. And thanks for sharing the mindfulness moment tip of the day. Stay on purpose, stay empowered, and stay tuned to your next session of mindfulness on higher learning with Zelda Speaks. Make it a mindful day. And thanks for listening. All right. Hi, this is John Alexander.
uh, one phrase I want to uh, take a look at, and then we'll go back to our callers, to have and to hold from this day forward, okay? Uh, to have and to hold is a property rights legal phrase that defines the extent of the interest that is granted of conveyed and the conditions affecting it. But as part of the traditional statement of ownership, it refers to belonging together. Well, that's, that's what the idea has been, ownership. You're mine, I own you. And part of that was what Kufi alluded to, you know, when a man and woman are not married and they have a child, sometimes the father's right because you didn't marry her, you don't own her, you don't own her children, and unless you get a DNA test to prove that you're her children, that, that these are your children, you may be denied parental rights. And there are whole lot of men that are now because they don't have rights because they didn't marry the woman, which is in a lot of legal no. ownership. So let's, let's let's take a look at that. Wait a minute. Oh, I see it. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. So, got another yeah, caller on the sixty line. Let's see. Where I put my... Your keys is on the floor. Okay. Martha. Um. Uh, Martha, if you would mute yourself, uh, you're having. We we are hearing your conversation. Are you? I apologize. Okay. We love you, Martha. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Naima, um, sex outside of marriage, uh, Almighty God have given us very vital, precious appetites. Very valuable, precious appetites. Uh, I'll use food as a, a uh, appetite that we all share. Mm-hmm. Um to have an appetite without knowledge is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, most people now, they eat for taste, that tastes good. Uh, and the industry have added salts and sugars and all of these other uh, ingredients to titillate our taste buds in order to sell those products to us. But the knowledge of appetite is so that we replenish our nutrition. It is a, a, a nutritional act. Certain foods bring with it certain nutritions that our bodies need. You know, green leafy vegetables and stuff like that. But most people don't have a knowledge of nutrition, and and that's why we are suffering from high blood pressure, diabetes. The manufacturers don't care. So we have have appetites, but we don't have a knowledge associated with the appetite. It's the same way with lust. What, what, no. I won't use the well. Well, all right then. All right, <laughs> sexual desire. desire, sexual, sexual appetite. Desire. Yeah, uh, that's a very uh, natural. Thing. Yes, but how many of us 
have the knowledge associated with that appetite. Uh, well, that's the you know, we don't I, have knowledge. We have religious shame, no. which is same as knowledge. No, no, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Let's not always dis, always uh, use religion as an excuse. That that that's that that's not 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 uh, uh, the right application. Well, education, period. Education, period. Period. Uh, we have we're in. Uh, space in time now, as you have heard me say, whereby we are operating on an artificial timepiece, an artificial clock. Uh, at the age of 18, you are an adult, uh, uh, but by a certain age, you should do this and you should do that. But the sexual appetite presents itself outside of man's clock. So what I'm saying is, at an early age, we need to be educating our children concerning the appetites that we all have. Give them the knowledge and the reason and the purpose, praise be to them, the created purpose of these appetites. And then they are to be taken seriously and not played with. With the coming of birth control, all, oh, but I mean, everything went off the radar. It just went haywire. That we can 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 play with this thing. We can play with sex as if it is a toy, a, a pleasure button that that we push. But there's a certain knowledge that with everything, everything concern, everything contains a knowledge and a science. Don't so wait until our children are, are uh, when they reach puberty, and now we want to have that talk. No, no, you know, now we want to have that talk. There's nothing wrong with educating our children at a young age, at an early age concerning the responsibility that come with these appetites that we all have, that we all have. We, we are not educating our, our, our children nor ourselves, and now this is the dilemma that we have, appetites unchecked by knowledge. The sexual act is designed for procreation, for procreation, uh, so th- there's much more I could say on that, but until we get on the right time clock, we are going to continue to have these problems until we be until we learn the knowledge and the science that comes with everything that exists, even our sexual appetites. Totally agree. There's nothing. Uh-huh. Go ahead, my sister. I'll, I'll stop right there. I'm disagreeing 100%. It, it's an absence of knowledge. And the reason why I say that about religion is because historically religion has been fear-based and shame-based. And you can't have knowledge when it's based on fear and shame. When you have understanding, oh. then you make right decisions. 
or threatening someone with uh, Naima? Yes. Naima, sometimes yes. religion, sometimes religion educates you concerning your self-worth, your dignity, if your honorable position. And and you and you refuse to act in an undignified or unhonorable. You value yourself. You 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 have a high regard and value for yourself. And I will not debase my dignifies myself to the level of an animal. To the level of an animal. Self worth is very important. That is a prohibitive measure. I'm going to respect myself. I'm going to honor myself. I'm going to dignify. I'm not going to act as an animal. I'm a human being. So that is the purpose of religion. It's not to instill fear in someone, although that has been done, and uh, in a lot of cases it doesn't work. But education is the key. Ignorance is the biggest enemy to the human being. Lack of knowledge. I totally agree that ignorance is what got us to where we are. Now, this is what happens when we use fear as opposed to knowledge. Look at how many years it took before people could even agree to have sex education in schools. And even now, there's a lot of debates about it because people have different ideas about how to teach sexuality. Do you combine it with spiritual teachings? And how can people teach spirituality? You can't teach what you don't know. (laughs) And so if people are not understanding life itself and the only thing they have is their fear-based teaching, You have people who don't even know their own body parts and can't even discuss their body parts because they're believing religiously that certain body parts are sinful. Now, if you're believing that about your body, how are you going to gain knowledge? How are you going to spread knowledge? And you're operating in that level of ignorance. So I totally agree. Children at an early age should be taught all of their body functions and the beauty of creation at an early age in a way that does not involve fear at all, but total understanding. That's one of the reasons why we're launching our Parenting the Peace class, because we're demonstrating how to teach about sexuality that helps a child understand their connectedness to all life and their responsibility to all life. No fear involved at all, because there's no reason to fear. The only thing is to understand how your choices are affecting your life and everybody whose life you touch. And in this book, of course, The Female Solution, which evolved into this show, you see this uh, fetus looking like the world, this woman's pregnant with the world, because that's what women have to understand. You are shaping the future of the world with your choices. And the souls that come through you, based on how you chose for that to happen, is affecting the present and the future. So, You know, Naima, with the subject matter that we are addressing now, Almighty God in the Quran says, I seek refuge 
with the Lord of the dawn from the mischief or the harm of created things. Almighty God says to us that with everything that he has created, there is a benefit and a harm. Now, the chapter begins with, I seek refuge with the Lord of the dawn. The dawn is the beginning of enlightenment, of knowledge. Absolutely. Of knowledge. That way, way I, I know the purpose the proper usage of every of what has been created. Absolutely. It is knowledge. I'll stop right there, my sister. Thank Absolutely. you. I totally agree. Well, we've got a couple of callers, and we've got some comments I'm going to share as well, and we appreciate all of you all lending your thoughts to this conversation. And on our uh, Facebook and YouTube channel, we've got uh, these comments, of course, our Monday morning mindfulness post says, the brothers on purpose this morning. We enjoy listening to them. Sometimes we just need to listen and not speak. Okay, well, so the women are listening. Men, they're listening to your thoughts and the other grand rising. Good discussion. Thank us. Thank you, Viata, our Friday host. And Deborah, our Saturday host, is amazing. There's so much on this topic this morning to address. Absolutely. And she adds that. It's not just the law of the USA that when a man is listed on the child's birth certificate, he is legally recognized as a father, whether he is a biological parent or not. And that's a critical thing because when you've got, when you're not listed on the birth certificate, you have no father rights. So it's, it's all about the legalities. Who are your, who are your contracts with? And when you, when you're the husband, it's presumed that you're a father, even sometimes that might not be the <laughs> We're the same fathers, uh, mothers, babies, fathers, maybe, but we've had those situations. But if you're not listed on the birth certificate, you will not have parental rights. So everything is about legal contract. And our, our sexuality is something that has been policed but still not understood and exploited and still not understood. So we have to understand. Let me take a couple of calls here as we wind down. Three, one, two, six. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, Admiral Nelson Bay. Speaking anecdotally, two Fridays ago, I was invited to Masjid al-Farouk, and I used that as an opportunity to explain to people what I regard as a Sharia or Sharia of Islam, namely the Kitab Yadas, which is the book of laws in the Baha'i faith, which says, mm-hmm. by the way, and I read its synopsis and codifications and gave a copy of the synopsis and codifications of the Kitab Yadas to Mother Tainel the Muhammad at the final call administration building in 1986. And that, it said, um, Sexual intercourse, which I interpret as coital intercourse that can uh, result in pregnancy, is only permissible between a man and the woman who is his wife. And that's why I've not coitally penetrated a female my entire life, because to my mind, that would constitute marriage. Moreover, the woman who I intend to marry, who I saw yesterday, pardon? 
It's causing it to be out That was that was the marriage. Once you did that, that was it. This is your wife. That's right. And so I, I chose not to. I had numerous opportunities to. I've had sex workers come to my house and do what they do. But um, to make a long story short, people need proper guidance and practical uh, information, which is effectively uh, education, uh, to dispel the ignorance that so many people have. And I um, would, in a Middle Eastern accent, say, this is the book, the Kitabi Akdas. This is the Sharia of Islam. And right with the Kitabi Akdas, I had the Maulana Muhammad Ali uh, edition of the Holy Quran. So I'm showing them both books. And the and security sure had a fit. Uh, Pardon? Yeah. Yes. I'm sure they saw similarities. And, uh, and thank you for the books you gave me on the uh, the Baha'i faith. I agree with everything written. It makes spiritual teachings that are um, uncorrupted by incorrect interpretations always make sense. So, Indeed. Yes. I, yes. Yes. So we and thank you for sharing. Brother Hamid's point. Yes. I think it. I think, so, I think it's vital that the uh, young people get the proper information. I, I agree. And the proper that's, guidance. That's what we do with our Parenting with Peace class. Thank you so much, brother. We appreciate you for sharing. And we're going to take another call. And I think we might have a caller on the uh, AM360 switchboard. One thing he mentioned about yes, we have one caller. That's, that's part of what has evolved because of our shaming of the act. Well, that's open the door for a whole new trade, which as you can see in biblical times is a pretty old trade. Why, why are women selling their bodies? Because we still haven't figured out how to make marriage be the means whereby people are engaging in that intimacy. We haven't been able to force that as a way of life. So we have to think about that. Uh, 773-450, go right ahead. It's a long greeting, a grand rising to everybody. You know, it's a very interesting topic because I think you learn a lot of things as you go through life. As a man told by older men to tell a woman anything you want that she wants to hear to get what you want. Now, I don't teach that as an older man at all. I teach young men to be careful. First of all, if it's not rape, women decide if they want to put something inside of them. So women are the ones that have to give you a green light. That's how you start. Not even that. You ought to start with build up your gifts and talents that you've got that God has given you so that if you have a family, you can not only take care of yourself, you can take care of your children and your wife. But if you're going to just jump into a relationship because you just want to have sex and here comes some children, why do you think we got so much lack of love today? Young men jump out of cars with four guns and stick you up. They don't care about nobody, no heart. It's the wrong attitude, man. So society teaches the whole sexual thing the wrong way. When you got church telling people, oh, it's a sin. The reality is this. Sex is like a celebration of two people that have joined together mentally and spiritually that have something really going and clicking for them. And if they got so much going, then maybe they got a moment where they can celebrate that. But just to be doing sex for just because she looked good or just because she got me up because I was looking at her, 
that's what they teach you in society, and you got everything all mixed up, just going by feelings and not going by common sense. You're going to have children that you can't take care of. What type of sense is that? It's just like women not selling their body. What's the point of that? If men didn't buy them, then they wouldn't do it. I got one more last thing. Just I was about 30 or 40, and I met a young girl. She was 18. We worked at the same job. She was obviously like me. Everybody said, oh, well, she's grown. She's grown enough. Do you think I'm going to ruin her? Because she thinks she's got some emotional feeling for me, and I'm like 39, and she's just 18? No way, man. You're supposed to have some sort of common sense and respect for people. Don't just take advantage of them because they think they got some feeling for you. So you have to take sex well, and life with some seriousness. Be about yeah, something. It's about also something yeah. worthwhile. Give your yeah. children you're, some you're love. Right, Get together with yeah. them. Yes, ma'am. Right. Yeah, we're running out of time now, but uh, you're absolutely right about the ethics uh, of the person and whether or not you're going to disregard all the emotional ties that come with that intimacy. And Deborah says, fear approach when teaching religion is interpretation by the speaker or teacher. That's right. You have people who are teachers of religion, and they really are not spiritually evolved enough to teach it properly. And our Monday Morning Mindfulness host, Zelda, says, be sure and join the students at Betty Shabazz podcast training, 2 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time today. Of course, watch us on the Higher Learning Network TV today. We're going to be talking to the children because we want to help them express their thoughts. So they're going to be the ones that shape this new society based. Thank you so much, Brother Kareem and Sister Martha Nyla handling the switchboard. We thank all of you. If you didn't get to your call, just call us again tomorrow. We'll be right back. Emails and counting down. We've come to the end of our show today. But you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the dash female dash solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash the female solution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimalatif.com. Watch our TV show, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujun, France, Merci. Spain, gracias, Italy, grazie, Egypt, shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, 
Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakur, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you. And may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessings. And in us tomorrow for Shop with Zoe right here on the Female Solutions Global Radio TV show. I'm Naima Latif, and until that time, continue to shine. Goodbye.